that is in me than he that is in the world. And that's because his spirit lives on the inside of me. We're going to talk about that. Amen. Today and over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about how Jesus empowered the early church and how he empowers us to be the church. Amen. Not, not a church, but the church. Amen. His body, his bride. And, and we're going to see how his body is supposed to move. The, the, the whole theme is, is called sequel. And it, it's kind of like, you know, we, we, how many of you have ever watched a movie or read a book and then they came out with a sequel? Anybody know what I'm talking about? In very few cases is the sequel better than the original. Very few cases. Very few. Now there are a few and I I don't want to name too many because I don't want to get y'all carnally minded today thinking about different things. But, but in very few cases is the sequel better. But Jesus promised, amen, that in the last days that the, that the latter rain was going to be greater than the former rain. What Jesus said is the sequel supposed to be better than the original when it comes to my church. Come on, somebody. And guess what you and I are? We're the sequel. Amen. We just keep it going. Amen. There's a, more volumes of miracles to be written. There's, there's more glory to be given to God through his church. And we get to be a part of that. So you're in the right place today. You say, well, I didn't even know that. I didn't know all that. I, I just came because somebody said they'd feed me if I came. So I'm here. Well, I'm glad you're here. Amen. You're in the right place. And if you need something from God, I don't want you to leave here without it today. But I will say that there's something different about you. There is something different about you. That, that's what people say about me. They say, you know, there's something different about you. And, you know, I used to think it was for whatever reason, but it's not really because I'm anything special. But it has everything to do with who's dwelling on the inside of me. That's what makes me different. That's what sets me apart. It, it has nothing to do with me personally. It just has to do with the fact that Jesus lives on the inside of me. And they, they said that about the people in the upper room too. They said, there's something different about these guys. There's something strange. There's something peculiar, something that stands out. And the reason is the power of Jesus on the inside of us makes us bold. It makes us bold. Now, for, for uh, too many of us, we live lives uh, of mediocrity. We live lives of just average and status quo. But that's not what God called us to. That's not why he placed his spirit on the inside of us. Amen. He placed his spirit on the inside of us so that we could be bold. He, he wanted us to be bold. He wanted us to stand out. He wanted us to be different. He wanted us to have power. And so that's why he gave us his spirit. That's why he lives on the inside of us. Not so that we can be average. Not so that we can blend in with the world. Come on, somebody. I wish you'd hear me today. Not so that we can see how much sin we can get away with and still go to heaven. No, he gave us his power and lives on the inside of us so that we can be free indeed. So that we can live bold lives in the face of of a perverse world. Amen. And so that we can show people the glory of God. Amen. In our lives. I can't tell you the number of times I've seen somebody who was shy when they came to the church. Amen. They were shy. They wouldn't talk a whole lot. And they were, you know, kind of introverted and, and didn't have much to say. But man, after God filled them with the Holy Ghost. 
Amen. There's some people in here that they, God filled them with the Holy Ghost. And man, they are bold now. They'll talk all kind. Of, they'll talk circles around people now. Why? Because God puts his power on the inside of you. He didn't put his power on the inside of you for you to stay quiet. He didn't put his power on the inside of you. Amen. For you not to respond and give him glory. He gave you his power so that you could bring people to him so that all men might know how good our God is. Amen. So today, and I'm not going to make you stand for it, but I want to turn your attention to the book of Acts chapter 2, and I will be reading uh, through verse 21, 1 through 21, and I want you to just kind of stay with me, and we're going we're gonna to talk about this. I want you to know how this happened, how we became the bold church, how we became the original church. Amen. We are, uh, you know, we are not uh, just a church. We are the church. We are the church, the one that he purchased with his own blood, the church. You say, how do you know? Because we can trace our roots, our genetics, our apostolic DNA all the way back to the book of Acts when the church began. Amen. Now, I, I'm, I'm in Acts chapter 2, and I want to start at verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost, everybody say Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. What's Pentecost? Well, it happened to be 50 days after the Passover. The Passover, if you would remember about a little bit about Jewish history and even if you know anything about Christian history, uh, the Passover is the time when the Jews crucified Jesus. How I many you remember that? But it, originally it was a time when they, they killed the lamb, the spotless lamb, and they put his blood on the doorpost. Remember, that's the Passover. And by that, that, that blood, the death angel, or the Jews believe God himself would pass over and not take the life of the firstborn in Egypt. That's, that's how that blood worked, okay? Now, amen, Passover, Jesus gives himself as the spotless lamb. And they hang him on a tree and his blood is shed. They put him in the tomb. He rises to, the, to, the, uh, to life on the third day. And we see, we know the story of Passover. But, but then there's some things that happen uh, in between Passover and Pentecost. Okay? Now, if you, some of you are probably wondering. I, I've been doing a little bit of study on this and... And I just, maybe this will help you or enlighten you. Uh, my thing was, if Jesus knew, you know, they were going to crucify him, and he did. Uh, matter of fact, we see his, his human side praying to the divine in the garden saying, you know, let this cup, if it's, if it's possible, let this cup pass. But nevertheless, not what I want. See, that's the problem. Some of us, we've not yet reached that place where we're like, not, not what I want. We're like, Okay, God, I love you and I'll serve you, but I want what I want. Well, don't, don't let me get all up in your business yet. Just, we'll, we'll get there in just a minute. But Jesus prays in the garden. His human, size, his human side is saying, not what I want. If it was just what I wanted, I would let this cup pass. I don't want to go through this, you know, this excruciating pain. I don't want to go through the suffering of the cross. But if that's what you want, and so what Jesus was effectively saying is, I don't really want to be human side. I don't really want to be the sacrifice for all humanity. I don't want my blood to be shed and be what causes sin to be able to pass off of the lives of people. But not my will. I want what you want for humanity. 
And so after he rose from the grave, after he had gone through this excruciating pain and his blood had been shed, then the scripture says that he was seen of them for 40 days. And at the end of the 40 days, he tells them, go to where? Anybody? Where does he tell them, go to? Go to Jerusalem and do what? Wait for the promise of the Father. What was the promise of the Father? Anybody know? The Holy Ghost, right? He was going to give them, he said, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. He's going to put his spirit on the inside of them, right? So they go. This is 40 days he was seen to them. 40th, I don't know if it was exactly the 40th day, I don't know. But we know, right, the roundabout time, Passover and Pentecost, they are both high feast days for the Jews. They're, they're, they're high, uh, what do they call them? High uh, celebration days, high festival days. And you know what the high festival day means? If you're a Jew, you go to Jerusalem. That's what it means. If you're a Jew, you got a high feast day, you go to Jerusalem. So Passover, everybody's in Jerusalem. Why do you think it's such a big deal? Amen. That's why the streets were so crowded. Everybody was there and everything, you know, they had to press through and, and, and all this, you know, uh, horrible uh, sacrifice that they were going, going to do by the Jews wanting to sacrifice Jesus, thinking that this was going to, to rid them of all their problems. Little did they know that, that they were being used. Amen. But had the prince of this world known, had Satan known what he was doing, he never would have crucified Jesus. Amen. That's what the scripture says. But, but we know that there was 40 days that he was seen of them. So he was seen of the people that he, uh, after he rose from the grave, Jesus is seen of them. And then he tells them, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the father. And how many, how many of you know how many days they waited in Jerusalem? They went to an upper room, right? How long did they wait there? They were there about what? 10 days. How do we know that? Because when the day of Pentecost was fully come. From Passover to Pentecost is 50 days. So we know that everybody was back in Jerusalem for Pentecost. It was a big day. It was, it, they, they didn't, uh, they, they didn't uh, celebrate all of their festivals by coming to Jerusalem, but Pentecost and Passover, they did. And so they would come and they would have this feast of weeks and Pentecost was a big deal. So when the day of Pentecost was fully come, guess what that meant? All the Jews are back in Jerusalem. It was a big day. And they're in this upper room. They had been waiting. Now, now look, I don't know if you, maybe you don't realize this, but I think God has a plan for everything. I think he has a plan and I think he has perfect timing for everything. I think he knows what he's doing from the get-go. How many of you knew that I was going to preach this long on Acts chapter 2 verse 1? When the day of Pentecost was fully come. I could preach all day about this. The reason why is because it's exciting. God had a plan. Amen. He's crucified. He is buried. He rises from the dead right around the time of Passover. And 50 days later, he's seen of the people 40 days, tells him to go to Jerusalem, wait for the promise of the Father. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, why did he wait till Pentecost? I don't know. Maybe because all the people that he wanted to reach were going to be in Jerusalem. Why did he wait till the day of Pentecost to pour out the Holy Ghost on everybody? Because he's strategic and he knows what he's doing. Amen. And so he, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, the scripture says they were all with one accord in one place. Why? Because he had told them to go and wait for the promise of the Father. And some of you that you haven't, I, I hope you'll hear me today. And some of you need to pass this along to those who, who may not be here today who are struggling with this. If you don't have the Holy Ghost yet, that doesn't mean that you're not going to get it. If you have not received the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, just like I'm telling you right now, if you haven't received that yet, don't, don't get stressed out because they waited for the promise. 
They didn't even know what to expect and they waited for the promise. God's promise, amen. He says it's for you and it's for your children and it's to all them that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The promise is for you. It's going to happen, amen. You can write it down and take it to the bank. He said the promise is for you and he keeps his promises. So just because you haven't received or somebody hasn't received it yet, don't discount that it was, it's going to happen. It is going to happen. Amen. As sure as I'm standing here, it's going to happen. Right, Andrea? Andrea prayed for the Holy Ghost and she didn't get it right away. And a year later, guess what? She's filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. When I was a young guy, man, I was, I was wanting the Holy Ghost so bad and all my friends were getting the Holy Ghost and I started getting a little irritated with God. I was like, God, I'm a preacher's kid, you know? All my friends have the Holy Ghost. I'm the only heathen over here, you know. God, you got to fill me with your spirit or something, you know. And I was getting a little irritated with God, but I waited and I, I did receive the spirit. Amen. I was filled with the Holy Ghost. And I can tell you, amen, it's worth waiting for. Amen. It's worth waiting for. His promises for you. And if you have to tarry two minutes or two years, it doesn't matter. You tarry, you wait for the promise. He is going to fill you with his spirit. Amen. And he wants to give you that power to be bold in your life. So the day of Pentecost was fully come. It says they were all with one accord in one place. Man, I wish we could just get everybody here in one place. If we had everybody here on one Sunday, we wouldn't have room for everybody. Amen. If we could just get everybody in one accord on the same page, oh my goodness, could we have revival. Could we have revival? Amen. I'm telling you, the problem with most of us is, you know, this person, this couple has this agenda and that person over here, they got this that they want and this person's angling for that and that person kind of undermining to get this and well, y'all didn't know I was going to preach like that, did you? That's why we have to be in one mind, in one accord. We got to get on the same page. Amen. We've got to get with the vision of God's church and keep moving forward to be who he wants us to be. Amen. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be nice and pretty and everything just goes smoothly. Amen. See these stupid things. It's not always going to be great. But we got to get on the same page and we got to keep moving forward together. Amen. He's given us his power. He's given us his spirit. He's given us his presence and his anointing. What more could we ask for? When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. Amen. The whole house was filled. Come on, somebody. I, I want you to know when we get together and we get, we get on the same page and we want God to move, God is going to move. You can't stop revival when people get united. You can't stop revival in the moving of the Holy Ghost when people get on the same page and they say, God, move however you want to move, whenever you want to move, wherever you want to move, we're here. Hallelujah. Amen. There came a sound as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. Now, some of you say, well, you know, uh, we don't have those tongues of fire. You're right. We don't always have the tongues of fire. But I can tell you, it gets hot up in here. 
Amen. When the Holy Ghost starts moving, I've had people say, when I got the Holy Ghost, it felt like uh, just a fire just went all the way from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. It was like, I've had people, these exact words, and I quote, it was a, a heating sensation that went all down through me. Amen. The reason that God chose to use tongues of fire was because this was the first time the Spirit was being poured out. This was the initial beginning of the church, and it started with cloven tongues like as a fire. And the Scripture says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Everybody in the upper room. Even the people the Catholics pray to. Yeah, I just went there. But stay with me. I'm not trying to be mean. Do you know who is in the upper room? If you don't, go back to Acts chapter 1 and verse 13. Am I right, John? Acts chapter 1, verse 13. Can you quote it there, Tyresha? Yeah. Where Bo, both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew. Judas, brother of James. Yeah. And then what's the next verse say? The scripture, that chapter 1, verse 14 says that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was in the upper room. And the scripture says they were all filled. They were all filled. That means Mary got the Holy Ghost. Mary, the one who gave birth to Jesus, now has the spirit of Jesus living on the inside of her. Come on, somebody. You can't look. You can't make that up. That is what the scripture says. And so now when you read this and you understand that there are some people that are going to tell you the Catholic church, what's well, the first church? No, no, it's not the first church. Amen. The day of Pentecost, when it was fully come, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. The first church started on the day of Pentecost. It didn't start from a council. It, come on now, it didn't start from a council. It didn't, they didn't decide what they were going to do at a council. God poured out his spirit. That's how the church started. I'm all about committees. I'm all about teams. I'm all about organization. But can I tell you the best way for the church to operate is the same way the church started. Everybody be in one mind and one accord. Everybody come together and be prayerful and let the spirit fall. Come on, somebody. Let the spirit move. And we got to let God have his way. He's going to get the glory if we'll just let him have his way amen they're all filled somebody say all they're all filled with the Holy Ghost and the scripture says they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance now for those of you that uh, don't speak King James let me just break it down they began to speak in a language that they had never learned as God empowered them to do that well I don't know if God's ever empowered me to do that you can you can do it, not by yourself. There's one thing that you can't do. You can repent. You can turn from your sin. You can ask God to forgive you. You can, say, you can acknowledge your guilt and say, God, I'm wrong. I've been wrong. I need forgiveness. You can do that. You can also say, you know what? I realize that I, can, I need to be baptized in Jesus' name and have my sins washed away. And the scripture says that if I go to the water and I go down in Jesus' name, that the blood that Jesus shed on Calvary will wash all my sins away. I can do that. The one thing you can't do is you can't fill yourself with the Holy Ghost. And the church can't fill you with the Holy Ghost. There are some people that, man, I wish I could lay my hand on their head and shake them until they got the Holy Ghost. 
I loved, I'm telling you, there are people, you think I'm kidding, I'd shake people every Sunday. I'd shake them every Sunday. I would. I'd say, speak in tongues. You know, I would do it if I could, but I can't because there's some people that need to speak in tongues a little bit more than they do. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying. Come on, help a preacher in here. There's some of you haven't spoken in tongues since the day you got the Holy Ghost, and that's way too long. Amen. If you feel yourself starting to be worldly and want to do things and not be in church and not be where, you know, not be who God wants you to be, you know what you need to do? You need to go back to that initial experience that you had when you received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The old timers used to call it praying through. They say you need to pray through. You know what they meant? You need to pray till you speak in tongues fluently again. You need to come on somebody. You need to pray until the power of God moves on you. And you feel his presence all over you. And everything that was holding on to you starts breaking off of you. That's the Holy Ghost. That's what you need in your life. You need to pray through till you feel that again. Come on, if you're in this house today and you remember what it was like to speak in tongues and you remember what it was like to feel the Holy Ghost surging all down in your body, I wonder if somebody in this house would say, I want to do that again. Amen. I want to pray through again. I want God to move on me again. Hallelujah. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spoke in a language that they didn't learn because God empowered them to do so. Well, why was that important? You can be seated. Why was that important? What's, what's the big deal? Why did they need to speak in tongues? Well, obviously, God was going to use it as a sign. That sign has carried up until even today. It was a sign all throughout the early church. When somebody was speaking in tongues, they knew they'd receive the Holy Ghost. There was no doubt about it because it's something you, you, you can't fake. I, I've heard churches teaching people how to speak in tongues. That's a bunch of hullabaloo. Come on now. If you, if you could, yeah, I can, I can speak a couple phrases of German. I can speak a couple phrases of, of Spanish. I mean, I know, I know how to get fed. You know, if I'm hungry, I, you know, I know how soto affamato, you know, I can ask people to feed me in, in Italian if I need to, you know what I'm saying? But, but that's not the same as speaking in tongues just because you speak some phrases that doesn't mean that you're speaking in tongues uh, we had a, a missionary just a few weeks ago in our Louisville campus and he said uh, he said numerous times there's been two or three times specifically that he was in a foreign country where nobody spoke English in the building and they'd be in worship service and he'd hear somebody loudly praising God in English and he, he walk up to him and say do you speak English because you didn't ever find somebody who spoke English he said you speak English didn't speak a word of English and said, well, I want you to know while you were speaking, what you were doing is you were praising God in English as, as you were speaking in tongues. And that's why some of you, when you speak in tongues, you speak in Chinese, you speak in some dialects we ain't ever heard. Amen. But if you were in a foreign country and you were speaking that you might be surprised. They'd be like, you speak our language. You'd be like, I don't understand what you're saying. It's how you do it when the Holy Ghost empowers you, when God empowers you. Amen. They spoke in tongues as 
God gave them the utterance, as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And so when you speak in tongues, when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, that's what sets us apart. Look, I'm not trying to be rude or mean here. We are the sequel. We are the continuation of the book of Acts church. We're, we're not just any church. We are the church. I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be exclusive here today. I just want you to know what you're a part of. I want you to know what you belong to. You're not part of a dead church that just kneels and stands and kneels and stands and say this prayer and say that prayer. No, you're part of a church where the spirit falls. You're part of a church where people get up after they were dead and they walk out of the built. Come on, somebody. You're part of a church where cancer falls off. You're part of a church where blind eyes are open and deaf ears are open. Amen. That's the kind of church you're in. This is the church. I'm not trying to be exclusive. I'm not trying to be rude. But some, of, some people are claiming they're the church. Well, if you're not filled with the gift of God's spirit, you're not the church. Oh, that's rude, pastor. That's rude. Don't even, you know, you shouldn't be like that. I'm just trying, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be truthful with you. If you are not filled with the spirit, you are not the church. You can call yourself whatever you want to call you. Put, put whatever title on that church that you want. It's not a church. Well, that's, that's, that's hateful, pastor. Don't be like that. Don't be hateful. They're good people. They're doing good things in the community. And uh, they're just, they're wonderful people. And they love people. And they give a lot of money. And they care for people. And they're really a good church. Well, they're a good group. I'll give them that. They are a good group. They have great intentions. They're wonderful people. I didn't say that. I didn't say it, but Romans chapter 8 verse 9 says, if we have not the spirit of Christ, we are none of his. That means if you don't have this experience, if you've not been filled with God's spirit, which again, and I'm not trying to be exclusive, is for everyone, anybody, whosoever will, everybody's welcome. If you don't have this experience, the scripture says you are none of his, which means you're not part of the church. So they can be, look, they can be as a, a great a group as possible, but unless they have the spirit of Christ, unless they are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, they are not the church. Now you see where I'm backing that up? I'm not, I'm not saying stuff that's not in the Bible. If I say stuff that's not in the Bible, y'all find yourself another church. But if I'm in the Bible, you better find yourself in the Bible. You want to you debate me? That's fine. Let's do it in the Bible. Because I'll go scripture to scripture with you. I, I, I love this stuff, man. I, I eat, sleep, and breathe this. This is, this is me, man. I'm part of the church. God's church. His people. Amen. They were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now I want you to notice. There were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews. Why? Because it was feast day. Devout men out of every nation under heaven. That means they were good people. And they were out of every nation. The Jews had come back for feast day. Now when this was noised abroad, people started talking about the crazies up in the upper room. The multitude came together. They're staying outside the upper room and they're confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. We hear people speaking in all these different languages. The scripture even goes on to name them. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, dwellers in Mesopotamia. How hear we every man in our own tongue, right? Wherein we were born. 
Elamites, dwellers of Mesopotamia, and in Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontus, and Asia, verse 10, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, and Egypt, and in the parts of Libya, about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews, and proselytes, everybody, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. They're like, these people are all from this city, this, this little area of Galilee, and here they are in Jerusalem, and they're up in this upper room, and they're speaking in our language. How did they learn our language? They're talking, they're speaking the wonderful praises of God. Amen. Just like that foreigner that was speaking perfect English, they're speaking the wonderful praises of God. Amen. And I want you to know, when, when this happens, the scripture says in verse 12, they were all amazed. And they were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? What does this mean? How, how is this possible? Why, why would these people be speaking in all these different languages the wonderfulness of God? How awesome he is. Then there were some others. There's always some others. There's always those people mocking that said, these men are full of new wine. They found some new stuff that's got them toasted. That's what's going on here. And in verse 14, Peter standing up with the 11 lifts up his voice and said unto them, ye men of Judea and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. He's saying, listen to me. I want you to hear what I'm about to say. Don't miss this. These are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. He said, look, guys, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. They're not drinking yet. Now, I've been, I've been a couple places, a couple cities in this country, and they are drinking at 9 a.m. But these people were not drinking at 9 a.m. He said, these are not drunk, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. He said, nobody in their right mind would be doing that at 9 a.m. But this is that, and so he goes on to explain, which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass, and he's quoting Joel, in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass, here it is, that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. I want you to know that's the invitation. He said, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord. I'm going to get in your business again. Some of you have, you've said the prayer. You raised your right hand. You signed the membership roll. You said, man, I'm part of this church. I want to be part of, of the church. What you didn't realize is just signing the roll, raising your hand, and, and saying something didn't make you part of a church. Peter said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord... Later on, he goes on to tell us, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus... So why is it that some people will pray in Jesus' name? They pray over their food in Jesus' name. They'll, they'll preach and say stuff in Jesus' name. And when it comes to baptism, they won't baptize you in Jesus' name. Well, why is it that there's some people that when it comes to uh, how, how we need to be, be saved and be baptized, they say, oh, no, 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 you, you know, just Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is good. No, no, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not whosoever calls on the titles. Titles are not a name. I'm a father. I'm a son. I'm a brother. 
That doesn't mean that's my name. What's my name? Wayne Alonzo John Dummett. That's different than, hey, bro. Come on now. That's different. Or, bruh, however you want to say it today. My day we said, bro, they say, bruh, today. I don't know. I can't keep up. I'm getting old. It's what happens when you get old, you know. But it doesn't matter if you say a title if you don't say the name. Right? You go to the, you go to the dealership, right? And you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write you a check and I'm going to sign it in the name of whatever. Let's just say Wayne Alonzo John Dummett. They'll be, they'll be like, uh, no, sir, we will not take that check. Mm-mm, we know better. But if you go and you say, I'm going to sign this check in the name of Donald Trump. I got a check signed by Donald Trump. How many of you would take that check to the bank? Most of you would because even if you don't like the guy, he is the president and he does have some money. And he's got a little bit of name recognition. You know they'd probably cash that check, right? Now, all the more reason. If I went to the, 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 uh, the bank and I had my check and I signed it, Father of Ashton. They'd be like, who's that? There's a lot of Ashtons. There's a lot of fathers of Ashtons out there. I don't know who that is. What if I said I was the brother of Tiffany? They would, yeah, there's a lot of Tiffany's out there. You could be the brother of me. I'm the, the, uh, the, the husband of Kathy. They'd be like, there's a lot of husbands of Kathy's out there. That doesn't really matter to us. But when I sign it, Wayne Alonzo John Dummett, they know exactly who it is. There is no doubt. There's only one. They broke the mold after they were finished. Amen. There's no more. Thank God the world is happy that there is only one. But it's identity in the name. Peter said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So let me just, let me just kind of dispel a few myths. You can't be the church if you are not filled with the Spirit like they did on the day of Pentecost with the evidence of speaking in a language they never learned. And you can't be the church if you're not calling on the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. When you baptize, when you pray for healing, when you pray over your food, when you pray over every situation, it's got to be in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care what else, what other titles you want to throw in there. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, but say the name. Amen. You got to call on the name of the Lord Jesus. If you're going to be the sequel to the church of the book of Acts, you've got to stay with the name. You got to stay with the speaking in tongues as the spirit gives the utterance. Amen. There is nothing like being filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'm, I'm coming to a close. There's nothing like being filled with the Holy Ghost. Everybody should experience. Amen. You can have it if you want to. You can have it if you want to. You can. It, it is for you. You say, well, what do I do? Every day, take one step closer to Jesus. Every day, take one step closer to Jesus. Now, the, the thing is, most of us, it's, it's easier. I'm not going to say it's easy because you see all the empty chairs today. It's not easy. If it was easy, we'd have all these chairs filled. If it was easy to take one step closer to God, we'd fill this, pack this place out every week. It's not easy. It's not easy. But it's easier on Sunday because you come together and you got a lot of people, rah, 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 we're cheering you on. We're like, come on, you can do this. You know, we get up there and we're singing and shouting and we're like, greater things. You know, we believe in God's going to do so. Sunday, it's easier to take one step closer to God. But tomorrow, when you wake up and life smacks you right dab in the face, you just, you guys say, I'm going to take one step closer to Jesus today. 
I'm going to trust him a little bit more today. When the doctor doesn't give me a good report, I'm going to trust him a little bit more today. When the lawyer says things aren't looking good, I want to trust him just a little bit more. Whenever things don't happen the way that I think they should happen, I'm just going to trust him just a little bit more, and I'm going to open myself up and let him have his way in me. That's how you become the church. That's how you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Some of you that want to receive God's Spirit, don't, don't give up. Don't, don't say, well, it's not for me. I haven't received it yet. No, no, no. It is for you. The promise is to you. Amen. So what do I do? Repent, be baptized, and keep taking steps closer to Jesus every day. And I'm closing, so if they come to the music, that'll probably make you feel better. When you're filled with God's Spirit, you will have no problems telling others how good God is. This is why. Now look, look, look. I've been bragging about the church and talking good about the church and why we're the church and how we're the church. and The church, not just a church. You, you get all that, right? But the, the real reason, the important reason that God fills us with his spirit. Are you, are you ready? Y'all ready? Do I have your attention? If you didn't get anything else in the message, get it today. Get this right here. The reason God poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost, the reason he pours out his spirit today is so that we can be a bunch of little Jesuses. That's it. Daniel, he wants you to be a little Jesus. Everywhere you go, he wants, oh, I see Jesus. I see Jesus. I see Jesus. I see Jesus. That's what he wants. That's why he filled us with his spirit. He didn't fill us with his spirit so we can blend into the world and look like everybody else and talk like everybody else and watch the same garbage they watch. Go to the same goofy places that they go to that aren't helping them spiritually come on somebody I'm not preaching holiness but I am preaching holiness you know what I'm saying he fills us with his spirit not to be just like the world not to keep the same attitude that we had before and not to keep the same standards and the same thinking that we had before he fills us with his spirit so that we can be a little Jesus everywhere we go He wants you to speak boldly for him. He wants you to live boldly for him. He wants when people see you to see Jesus. He wants everybody that sees you to say, there's something different about you, and I think it's Jesus. You, you don't talk the same way that you used to talk. You don't act. Lindsay, you don't look the same way that you used to look. There's something different about you. I, I don't know exactly what it is, but man, you seem to smile a whole lot more. And there's a whole lot of a peace in your life. You seem like you got your head on right now. There's, there's something different about you. Could you just tell me what that is? Yeah, I got Jesus now. Mike, I'm not the same that I used to be. I mean, I, uh, you know, I used to have some, some really messed up things. There's some things that, that changed in me over the last couple months, over the last year. And hey, yeah, I know, I know I look different. It may seem a little strange to you, but the reason is because I've got Jesus on the inside. Now, I, I can't be the same way that I used to be. Chris. There's something different about you, man. There's a, I don't know what it is, but you, you just seem to have more hope and more purpose and more joy in your life. I, I can't figure out what it is. Would you tell me what? Oh, yeah, I got Jesus on the inside of me now. But that won't happen if we go around living like the world, acting like the world, trying to blend in, trying to be like everybody else. Well, I don't want to stand out too much. Well, shame on you. That's why he saved you. 
Man, that's why he went to Calvary for you. He shed his blood so you could be different. He gave his life so you could have life. It's the greatest treasure. And the Bible says that we have it in these earthen vessels. We've got the Holy Spirit. We've got His Spirit on the inside of us that gives us power and it sets us apart and it makes us bold and it makes us part of His church. Would you stand with me? It's the greatest thing going. What happens when you allow the Holy Ghost to speak? First of all, the very first time you let the Holy Ghost speak, you'll speak in a language you didn't learn. The very first time you'll begin to speak and you'll be like, oh God, I give myself to you, I love you, I want you to fill me with your spirit. And all of a sudden, words that you don't understand will come to your mind. And if you're like me, for the first 20 or 25 times, I just shut it down. I say, oh no, I can't say that, that's weird. People will look at me think like I'm talking like a baby or something. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many of you shut it down at least once before? <laughs> you shut it down, well, I'm not, I can't say that. People are thinking... And then, you know, it got so bad for me. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to come honest. I'm going to be clean right here with you today and be transparent. After about the 10th time, you know what happened to me? I shut it down about 10 times. Didn't want to say it. And then after that, after that, I was ready to do it. And the devil started telling me this. He said, they'll think you're faking it. You think I'm lying. Look, folks, I've been in this around this way too long. I know what the devil's tricks are. He said, they'll think you're faking it. You but don't even do it now. Just, uh, you know, you might as well just do it when you're off by yourself. You know, real quiet. Don't, don't, don't let anybody else know. Oh, no, no, no. No, he wants to fill you with his spirit. Sister Petra, where are you? Sister Petra came to me. She's like, well, I'm real, I'm real reserved, Pastor. I just don't, I don't, I don't act like that. I don't get real emotional in front of people. You know, I'm just, I'm kind of reserved. And she was until she got the Holy Ghost. And then she was picking herself up off the floor over here. Why? Because God wants to fill you with His Spirit. He wants it to be dynamic. He wants it to be awesome. Amen? The early church was obedient to Jesus. And that's the key for us. We've got to be obedient to Him. We've got to read His Word. We've got to study His Word. We've got to ask God, what do you want for my life? We've got to spend more time in the book than we do on Netflix. Come on now. Well, for those of you that are, you know, 25 and younger, we've got to spend more time in the book than we do on Xbox, PlayStation, and all the other apps that we have. Come on now. You say, what do you mean spend more time in the book? Do you mean I've got to read chapters and chapters and chapters every day? Okay, let, let me be honest with you. If you don't start reading something and talking to God on a daily basis, guess what's going to happen? You eventually won't do it at all. And when you don't do it at all and God can't speak to you, you get carnal, you get cold. And then you start doing stupid stuff. And then, it, it, you know, you're, you're still calling yourself a Christian, but you're doing stupid stuff. Stuff that makes Jesus look bad. Let's be honest. Right? How many of you have ever done stupid stuff that made Jesus look bad? I could raise both hands. That's what happens whenever we, we kind of cut Jesus out of our life. Entertainment, worldly things, even, even relationships become more important than us spending time with Jesus every day. I'm not saying you have to spend 20 hours with Jesus a day or even 6 hours with Jesus a day. But are you spending any time with Jesus? 
Are you giving him the first part of your day or is he just an afterthought and maybe right before you bed, oh, Jesus, don't let me die tonight. You know, uh, whatever it is. Is he the first thing or is he just an afterthought in your life? If he's the first thing and you're seeking after him, guess what? You will want to get into his word. And when his word says, you know, you can't be sleeping with people when you're not married to him. You'd be like, okay, I'm going to be obedient to him. That just went real deep real fast, right? I mean, that's just, that's still sin, right? You know, when, when we uh, when we know that there's things that are right for us to do and we don't do them, the Bible says to him that knoweth to do good, doeth it not, to him it is sin. So if we know what's right to do and we're not obedient to the word of God, we're not obedient to our conscience that he placed on the inside of us, we're sinning. If we're sinning, we're separating ourselves further from God and we won't be filled with his spirit. We won't be full of his spirit. See, many of you were filled with his spirit, but you're not still full of the spirit. You look at, look at what they said. Stephen was a man full of the Holy Ghost. Oh, come on, somebody. That's good preaching right there. Stephen, how are you about to preach to these people and they're going to stone you to death? How, how is that possible? Are you ready for that? Somebody asked me the other day, said, Pastor, are we going to go through the, the great tribulation? And I said, I sure hope not. I really, I, I hope we don't. But here's the deal. If we're full of the Holy Ghost, it won't matter. Stephen was full of the Holy Ghost and he knew what was coming. Amen. He knew he was making them mad and they took him out of the city and they stoned him. And he did that. He could take that because he was full of the Holy Ghost. There are a lot of things you can't take if you're not full of the Holy Ghost. Somebody look at you wrong in church and you get your feelings hurt. Man, I guess I could keep preaching today, couldn't I? I'm not going to keep preaching. I'm going to stop right there. But there's some things you need to be full of the Holy Ghost to avoid disaster in your spiritual life. Not just your spiritual life, but your natural life. If your spiritual life's a mess, your natural life's going to be a mess too. I'm just trying to help you. I love you. You think I'm, think I'm being rude and harsh? I'm not. I'm just telling you the truth. Amen. This is the greatest thing going. This is the greatest thing. Being full of the Holy Ghost is the best opportunity that anybody has. I want to open up this altar today. If you need to repent, if you need to confess things to God, you need to open yourself up and say, God, I'm ready for you to have control. This altar is open for you. Amen. Maybe you have repented or you're repenting today and you're going to decide, I want to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I want all my sins to be washed away. Then come to this altar. Amen. Make things right with God. We'll baptize you in Jesus' name. If you've not received the gift of the Holy Ghost, if you haven't received the Spirit and you haven't spoken in tongues yet, amen, walk down to this altar, lift up your hands and say, God, I surrender everything to you and you can be full of the Holy Ghost before you leave this place today. Be full of the Holy Ghost. Don't be kind of filled. Don't be partially filled. Don't just have traces of the Holy Ghost on you, but be full of the Holy Ghost before you leave this building today.